The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good day. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. I throw some silly numbers out at times on how much money you need to retire because no one threw those out for me. And it didn't start sinking in until I started doing the math myself. I think you need 10 to 20 times your income before you retire. But that's so simple because is that one person? Is that two people? Depends on how many people are living off that income. Um, but that's what you need minimum. Life is expensive and it gets more expensive. That's called inflation. Inflation's okay. Inflation's bad when it's too hot or too cold, like Goldilocks. But when inflation starts ramping up, and trust me, it, it ramps up on senior citizens a lot harder than it ramps up on you and me. You don't have time to fix that when you're a senior citizen. When you're younger, you're like, okay, I have to beat the rate of inflation. The rate of inflation is somewhere between 2 and 4%, typically, on average, historically. So you need your investments to return somewhere between 4 and 7 or 10%, since you're beating inflation. Since your dollar that you're saving today, a penny saved is a penny earned. Uh, true, but it still has to earn some income for you down the road. So they say that life begins at 40 and, you know, any Hallmark card or any birthday gift. Do we have Hallmark cards anymore? Are there Hallmark stores or did the Internet kill those too? Uh, all the cards you know, are cute. And I, I'd be honest with you, or I can be honest with you, I think for me life began around 35. Maybe not 40, but right around 35. And Until then I was kind of figuring things out. Not really 100% true. Some things I had figured out, but it all started coming together nicely at about 35. So life may begin at 40, right? That's the, what we're taught. Um, but by 45, your chances of ever, ever landing a major raise are pretty much so dead. So you need to really know your income from age 20 to 60 is going to basically fund your years, your nest egg from 60 to 100. If you're a teacher in the state of California, your pension is going to cover maybe 55, 56% of your retirement income. You get no social security. So you have to save money to cover the rest of that. Now, the teacher's pension is pretty good versus the 401k who has nothing in it. So a teacher who goes from age 20 to 40 and does nothing, she's, she's at least got that pension. 
the average person who has the 401k system and not a pension who goes from 20 to 40 is screwed. I'd like to use a word that rhymes with puck, but I won't. So I'm behaving myself. Uh, that this is a fact, you know, the pension is kind of to me like a bond for a teacher, um, a firefighter, a cop, uh, government workers. Now, so that's very conservative. So teachers are starting to pay in the mid 40s and they're coming out of college with $20,000 in debt. Uh, so they're not looking at like, ooh, one day I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to make a million dollars. They're not going to get that age 45 raise where things are starting to look really good. So there's, you know, some takeaways out there when you start putting this all together. You know, teachers are a little bit more conservative. If, uh, let's say she gets, uh, let's say she gets up to, you know, $50,000, you know, in earnings. Just keep in mind that in our lifetime, Less than 10 years ago, we cut teacher salaries in California, and we, we took away positions. Now, typically, you, in the news media, you're like, oh, they're always safe from the, you know, their unions are safe, and their their, their pay is safe, but that's not always the case. Um, so, the pension, if you have make a million dollars, and that should pay you in retirement $40,000 a year in income. So a teacher's looking at, you know, basically being gifted $500,000 if they work 40 years. The state of California is going to give them a pension, 55% of their salary, roughly, uh, till the day they die. That's the idea. And what happens is that pension goes bankrupt. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. Um, but for the rich and poor like, and that's, again, I, I want to finish that one concept. That pension is, it's bond-like because it's almost guaranteed. It's almost guaranteed. Now, bonds aren't guaranteed, but they're, oh, you know, they're, they're much safer than stocks as far as volatility goes. So for the rich and the poor, the bulk of the money of earnings growth in your life typically comes between the ages of 25 and 35. So if you don't, start saving, and if you don't start pushing your career, like I said, you're like a hockey puck. You're not good. So during the next decade of your career, the, the raises start to get smaller and smaller. So you come out of college, or you come out of high school, the most advancement, the, the, the furthest you're going to be able to stretch your legs is between 25 and 35 as far as income growth potential goes. After 45, those people in the bottom 90% of lifetime earners see their earnings decline as a group. In part because people often start cutting back their hours around that time, especially if they do manual labor for a living. Meanwhile, the one percenters only see relatively minor pay bumps after middle age. So it's, you gotta get this figured out, your income by 45. Because after that, it's not going to happen. And really, you need to be doing it from age 25 to 35. So I want you to get to retirement. And one of the things you have to do is take a certain portion of your income and save it in a nest egg, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a firefighter and or a coder. So I've got a friend who's 45 who just landed a job at Facebook. His timeline to succeed is starting to pass him. Even though he's a MIT graduate, 
even though he's got these like uh, accolades everywhere, a lot of his his life has been rolling the dice on. Okay, this company's going to work out. So I'm going to you know uh, cash in my 401k for this company. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And now he's basically in charge of kind of babysitting some other employees. He's the old guy of the engineering group. So his ability to be the rock star and go and impress the boss was oh, it's over at 25 to 35. Not totally true. Some old dogs do not learn new tricks. So, and a lot of times what I'm talking about now are the averages. So there are people out there who have late age renaissances for sure and start earning like never before. There's, most of us are not like, and you know, I'm going to use Louis C.K. as the example where he set up his career. He set up his career. He set up his career, but he really didn't start raking it in until his late thirties, early forties. So by middle age, pretty much so. We are who we are. Um, the first 40 years of our life give us text. The next 30 supply the commentary. Uh, if there's one thing I can push on you very, very hardcore right now is and t- telling teachers this. You know, they're earning $44,000 out of college, if they're lucky. Uh, you need to save 15% of your salary. They laugh at you. But you do need to save 15% of your salary. 10%? A few fewer laughs, five percent. Now we're talking. So anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Thanks for listening to the Rob Black Show. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Everything has a consequence, right? That's the way I think. I don't think that there's right answers, especially in the world of economics. I just think... There's compromises. Um, that's not always true. Don't tell a kid that his spelling test that there's no right answers. There's just compromises. Because there are right answers in spelling tests. But I recently saw, and I read some, some social research, which, for what I try to do, I try to really dig in and get to know the issues a little. I don't want to be smarter than you. I just want to outwork you. I want to know everything I can. But rising real estate prices sounds like a pretty great thing. You go, that sounds great. And then you have to quantify quickly and say, if you own real estate. Rising real estate prices sounds like a great thing if you own it, right? But how about the concept of how long can you own it? When does it start stripping away its positives? Uh, there was a study in 
basically Vancouver, which has made some home owners, you know, very, very rich in the last few years. It's been a very hot and sexy market, but not for everyone, right? Increasing real estate prices are putting pressure on low-income families. So again, if you're a teacher, a firefighter, well, firefighters get paid relatively well. But if you're one of those people who, eh, I don't want to say, like a teacher is an educated person, right? But some of the people who don't have the higher educations kind of really struggle. Uh, Vancouver's affordability issues have turned into a crisis. The city is finding itself with a massive backlog of families that need affordable housing. I don't even know how that works. I don't even know how that looks. Uh, I know, you know, good gosh, I knew a couple who had three kids total. And he worked at LinkedIn as one of the types of people that kind of helps you fix things. Help desk. And uh, he was making 80000 85000 Pretty good money. But in the Bay Area, where they chose to live, that's poverty. And it's a funny thing to say out loud. Uh, so there's a crisis now that even a decent paying job isn't enough for a family if they choose to have a stay-at-home mom and one, two, three kids kind of thing. So according to reports on Vancouver, you know, homeless people have increased by about 26% annually on a pretty consistent basis in the last seven years. So that's, you know, as the housing prices go up, <clears throat> more and more people are becoming homeless. So is it always a good thing that home prices go up? Again, yes, if you own said home. But we're quickly pricing people out. And I can be cute and I can say, well, maybe that person should move to Oklahoma City. Or maybe that person should move to Tulsa. Um, but a lot of people don't have that emergency kind of money to say, okay, I'm gonna, when I move, I'm going to get an apartment. And when I move, I'm going to take two to three months to find a job. And when I do that, uh, you can see how it all starts to tally up. But when you have a social housing wait list, you got to go to scratch your head and go, something's not working here. And uh, so start thinking about, you know, winning, winning. Uh, rising real estate prices in Vancouver make five people homeless every week. So I thought that was worthy of throwing out there just to start your process of thinking about what you want to achieve and what you don't want to achieve in your timeline from age 20 to 60 as far as accumulation of wealth. One of the areas that I like to go to to get advice is from people who are retired. So I'm looking for people who have quit their 9-to-5 job and basically help others with the way they live, with the way they think. And from talking to people who are retired or who have quit the workforce and can live off what they've saved, one of the things that I've learned is that you can't plan for everything. Um... I talked to, oh, good God, this breaks my heart. I talked to a teacher in her mid-30s who's got four kids. They got student loans to the tune of 130000 her and her husband. They ran up those student loans and lived off them instead of just having school pay for them. And now they're in their mid-30s pushing 40, and they don't have anything saved. They still have these big student loans. So 
she didn't really plan for and he didn't really plan for paying back the loan. They didn't think like, you know, this is real money. They were getting by, they were pay, you know, again, kids are expensive and that's something you really have to start thinking about. And I don't know if that's planning or not planning. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of planning. Uh, but a lot of people don't realize uh, that you can't plan for everything. And f- for instance, she wants she's now planning to work till she dies, or she plans to work as long as she can. But what you might find is, and I've got two people in my indirect family, uh, th- they can't get jobs. So that's stressful. They're in their late 40s, and they're not hireable. They're not. No one wants them. Or at least where they're looking, no one wants them. So, a couple thoughts on this is you can't plan for everything. One of the best things you can do is set up an emergency fund. An emergency fund is somewhere between two and six months of cash, just in case. I see a lot of people in the jobs that I work at in radio and television who ultimately say, this area is too too expensive for me. Uh, I have a television producer who moved from here to Seattle. Now, that's not a huge cut, but it's enough of a cut. Housing's a little bit cheaper, and his job is transferable as a television producer. So it's a little less money, but it all adds up to that should be able to make ends meet. Because uh, he's got a young daughter who he's starting to say, hey, life starts at 40, or in his case, 45-ish. Uh, so he's putting it together. One of the things that even though you can't plan for everything, you can get your retirement house in order. How much do you think you're going to need is a good starting point? They say 60% of your income. I think that's crap. Depends on what you're going to do in retirement. But you can start with 60. At least, you know, you're in the ballpark. Um, and the first couple of years may be, actually be a lot more. So get your retirement house in order. You want to pay off, uh, you know, like remodeling that you've done on your home. You want to know that you will have a mortgage debt or not a mortgage debt in retirement. Uh, not having a mortgage allows you to withdraw less from your retirement accounts, which could be very, very important. Uh, are you going to relocate to eliminate that mortgage or not? So you got to feel plugged into a community when you retire. Otherwise, you're just going to be like, what am I doing today? Uh, and that's one of the reasons retirement communities are popular right now, and some people are buying in retirement communities. So they know that, hey, everyone in this 1,500 home units, that uh, I'll be able to go play Remy Cubes with them. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 
there's some concepts out there that are kind of daft. Uh, should you pay off your mortgage or should you not? Should you pay it down or not? And I say it depends on what your mortgage rate is, first and foremost. With interest rates at historic lows for the past several, several, several years, people are wondering. You shouldn't be wondering. I've got a mortgage rate that's under 3.5%, and I'd rather fund retirement. I'd rather fund a nest egg. I'd rather fund future endeavors, including lump sum paying off mortgages if needed. Uh, but a lot of people don't think that way. I want to pay off the house like my mom and dad did. Well, your mom and dad lived in a different world. They lived in a higher interest rate world, and it made sense sometimes to do that. Um, now, I'm not saying paying it off or paying it down is a bad thing. I'm saying it's not necessarily the best use of the money thing. So... Obviously, we get some benefits. The bottom line is either course of action, though, you know, put you in a better financial position than the other. I don't want to pay off my house. I've got a home that if I pay it off, I'm going to have a tax liability. Right now, I'm under that threshold of if I paid it off, do I owe federal taxes on the capital gains? I don't. Now, if they change that rule, I would have an issue that I need to start thinking about. Paying down your mortgage... If you get the ability to be free from a mortgage payment sooner, sounds like a great idea. But it also tells me that you're probably not very good at putting money aside and saying, this could be used for that. It's telling me that you're like, I got money in my hands and I know it's going to burn if I don't use it now. I'm going to go to the track. You don't want to think about that. You want to beat the rate on your mortgage? No, you don't even have to do that because sometimes your interest tax is deductible. Um, there's efficiencies in the way the capital gains work of having it in your pocket and growing it versus, again, hitting that uh, capital gains. So it's a set dollar amount, which doesn't change for inflation. So if you take $100 and put it in your mortgage, you're losing 2 to 4% in inflation every year because that money doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. It stays very, very, very static. But if you take that $100 and invest it and get 7% returns, you're beating inflation. So it's pretty different. Now, the idea of paying less on the loan overall is very attractive to people. I get it. If you buy a $600,000 house, when push comes to shove and all things are said and done, you're probably paying a million dollars, $400,000 plus in taxes, right? So... On interest payments. But you also, with that concept, if you put that same amount of money elsewhere and grow it, it's going to be a a much greater sum. So a mortgage is pretty tax efficient. That's why you should never put it in an IRA. Uh, Just throwing it out there. So I want you to consider investing that money instead. So if you apply that extra $500 a month, $600 a month, Instead of paying down the mortgage, you invest it, you'd be way ahead. Um, the house will be paid off in 30 years, which means the total payments would be X amount of dollars. But had you invest 650 bucks at 6% a year, your portfolio would be worth 655000 plus you'd have that house paid off in 30 years. So 
to pay it off or not, you really have to sit down and do a little bit of work. Uh, not a lot of work. And again, I know that we grew up thinking the word mortgage has the word mort in it. And we, which means death, right? If you're French, ooh la la la. Uh, or you probably saw your parents may sometimes lose their house. So what I've done is I've made every mortgage payment that I'm supposed to on time because it helps my credit for sure. But I've also put money aside so that I have that emergency potential. But I've also put money aside so that I'm saving even more money. And in a worst case scenario, I could pay off the mortgage at any point in time. Now, one of my favorite episodes of television or shows on television is ESPN's 30 for 30. And it teaches you an enormous amount. Um, what does it teach you? <laughs> Some of the lessons are like very historical. Some of them are like uh, the man who broke the world records in the one mile was South African and he had his legs broken by white men. And he ultimately went out and ran a sub four minute mile, the first man in history to do it. And you're like, whoa, you get context in sports on life. So 30 for 30 really tries to do that. Um, if you ever get to watch the one where they show athletes going broke, a lot of the athletes don't realize that most businesses fail. And they think they are entrepreneurs when their whole life they've been go outside, run real fast, run faster, run faster, run harder, stronger, lift weights, do this, do that. And then running a business is pretty difficult. If you as an individual can't learn from a professional athlete that it's difficult out there and you may, you know, we get presented opportunities all the time. You should invest in this company. It's coming up with a new way of, we hear that all the time from friends and family, especially if you live in the Bay Area. So a lot of athletes in that 30 for 30 outrageous, you know, how do so many athletes go bankrupt um, so quickly after sports ends is that they don't have a budget. They don't realize businesses go out of business. Like some of these things, like you should be able to figure this out. So it's 30 for 30. It's called broke. And, you know, you hear about the lavish spending. You hear about the child support. You hear about the failed businesses. But when you see the athletes tell the story themselves, it's with great sadness and great regret. Um, and there's typically an outrageous quote or two that happens in it. Um, I have a friend who, she's 46. She said to me the other day, she goes, I'm tired of paying for my girlfriends when we go out to have drinks. And I'm like, got it. So athletes get a lot of money, maybe like a windfall. A lot of people inherit money. And athletes get a lot of money, and they, they start a business. They start a pizza place. So you see it famously by Peyton Manning with Papa John's. Uh, he can pull that off. I've seen a lot of athletes with car dealerships. People need cars, right? It's when you start getting into, like, the barbecue restaurants. Restaurants are tough. Restaurants have very little profit margins. And then you get states doing things like raise the minimum wage, and then it gets tougher, and then you really have to manage the business and make sure people aren't stealing from you. So there's that. Businesses fail, and a lot of people don't realize that. People get in businesses they have no right being in. 
Uh, I see, I've seen a lot of people start franchises and like subways and then they, they work 70 hours a week because the business isn't wildly profitable unless you figure out that labor is the biggest cost. Uh, a lot of athletes have an, a mentality of if they had to have it, they have to spend it. Um, so be cautious on that. A lot of people think I have money, I have to spend it. It stinks right now. I've got too much money in cash. I'm like, I need to do something with it. But I want to be very cautious on what I do with it. Uh, athletes, a lot of time when they go bankrupt from this 30 on 30, they'll blame other people. And that in itself is kind of sad. A lot of times it's business managers. A lot of times it's like uh, my friends needed a loan. A lot of people came to me. When you have money, you need to be responsible for it. Yes, you do need some financial experts in your life, in my opinion. I think a certified financial planner who has a fiduciary responsibility. Now, that's not going to protect you every single time. It's like when you take your car to a Mercedes dealership and it's a Mercedes. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get a bad mechanic on occasion, even though he's you know Mercedes certified. But athletes will blame others. Um, when you got something, you got to babysit it. And an asset like a million plus dollars is something you have to babysit. A lot of athletes will say that they can't say no uh, to other athletes and to people who were in their life. They have that problem saying no. Um, I do it all the time. Like I told you, I've got two family members who've been unemployed and they're running into... Uh, a problem with their age and getting, you know, if you're not successful by age 45, you're not going to be successful because the ramp up in wage income growth is from 25 to 35 for most people. doesn't mean you can't hit the lottery, but I see them setting up like, oh, poor me, you have money and I don't. And you have to have the ability to say no. In a lot of cases, athletes feel the sense of responsibility for those that help them become stars Keep in mind, the average NFL player will play for like three or so years. And they don't necessarily qualify for the long-term pensions that are out there for players who, who do play longer. Um, and it could be just covering someone's cell phone. You know, hey, you know, my old high school coach, you know, I want to get you a cell Like, no. Then there's the cost of raising children. Each child you raise, 250000 from age 0 to 17. So you can see those millions of dollars going away pretty quickly. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I didn't quite get across what I was trying to say about athletes in that last segment. Sometimes it's a little bit easier than not, but there is some relationships between watching someone blow $3 million and you blowing 30000 or 3000 or 300 And when you see athletes wearing expensive jewelry, look at your own wrist. Um, do you really need a $400 watch? Do you really need a $600 smartphone? And some of the cars that they drive, you're like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then, you know, you're like, but they make $3 million and they're driving a ridiculous car. And I make, you know, $100,000, i am driving comparably a ridiculous car. Now, I admit that I'm a little bit more like Scrooge than I am, you know, uh, make it rain kind of guy. I like to think things through. I like my charity investments, uh, giving to charity, to be, you know, tactical strikes. I want them to work. I don't want, you know, just a, oh, here's $200, you know, good luck. Um, I think that's really important. I think mentality and when you start comparing this person to me, this person to me, you know, MC Ammer can't touch this who has a house with gold bars on the gates, went bankrupt for a pretty good reason. He had friends that were hanging on, but he also had a house with gold bars. He had too many cars. Uh, Those things add up. So a lot of people don't understand, like, they work from age 20 to 60, and they're like, oh, I'll I'll save later, I'll save later, I'll spend now, I'll spend now. Athletes don't understand you have to save now because their window is much shorter than ours. But you can extrapolate, when you look at an athlete who makes $3 million for three years, that's $9 million. When you start making $100,000, you know, over 10 years, that's a million. So you're making $4 million, they're making $9 million. But you can start seeing how the careers work out, I think. You know, I could be totally wrong with that. Something that also a lot of people don't stop and plan on is taxes. Um... I always say all my exes live in Texas. No, they don't. But one of the ideas there is it's fun to say. So anytime I see the word taxes, I'm like, ugh, boo, right? Uh, what's the average American tax rate? And this gets back into the question about athletes. They pay a lot of their money in taxes. They're high earners, right? You pay a lot of your money in taxes, and you may not even think of it. Uh, the federal... Income tax rate, the average effective federal income tax rate is just 13.5%. But that's not where it stops. The average American's federal tax income. It, okay, we're like, okay, 13.5%. So work with that number in your head, right? But then start adding some real numbers to it as well. Um, you have to pay state income tax. Any sort of consumption-based tax, like sales taxes... Um, Social Security taxes on your paycheck. So Social Security taxes assessed at a 6.2% rate on employees and employers. It only applies to the first $127,000 that you earn, but 6% of your money is gone like that. Add that number, 6.2, to the 13.5, you're like at 19.7, right? And then you live in a state with a 10% income tax. Um... 
you throw that in there and suddenly you're like, okay, 6.2 plus 10% is 17, 16.2, 16.2, right? And then 13.5, so you're now at 29, 30% of your taxes. Boom, just like that. Oh, wait, there's more. How about your Medicare tax? So you're already at 30%, right? But then you get another 1.4% for both employees and employers. So if you're, you know, if you own your own company, you're paying both of that. Um, so you're now at 32%. How about property taxes? Typically about 2%. So sales taxes. Again, you. How about a Medicare tax? Medicare tax is assessed on at the 1.45% rate for both employees and employers on all earned income, and high earners pay an additional Medicare tax. You jump up to 32, 34. Uh, sales tax averages about 8.5%. So now you're at 42% of your income's gone. And that's the average person. So every now and then you get into scenarios like Phil Mickelson, where he goes, I may have to leave the state of California because it's, you know, 70% of what I earn is going to taxes. Because he's a high earner, and you're like, wah! But I just showed you a scenario where it's creeped up well over 35-40% on you and how your taxes are being hit aggressively. So uh, that's one of the reasons I want you to save more. Because let's say 40% of your money goes to, again, federal, state, uh, taxes, right? And you start adding up more and more of these taxes. So you have to save 15%. So I'm I'm just taking you from 40% tax rate to 15% for your retirement. So you're at 55% of your money's gone. You shouldn't spend more than 35% of your income on housing. So that 55% suddenly be, you're like, stop, stop, enough, enough, enough. That's 90, I I got to live off 10% after housing. Everything's gone. So making small decisions add up very quickly to that 10% of there's not a lot of money there. Uh, because taxes, retirement savings, they're going to take the bulk of it when you throw in housing as well. Vacations, where do vacations fit in? I'm Rob Black, trying to make you think about money. Investing, saving, retirement, and much, much more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Hey.